0: Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever changing character of wargaming in the Mortal Realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to Priority Roll. My name is Dan, and today I'm joined by Chris Welfare and Ash McEwen, all the way from Australia, to talk about Nighthorn. How are you guys?
1: Not too bad, man.
0: How are we doing? Very well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, yeah, both, both, both. You are excellent, and I'm also excellent. Thank you for dealing with the uh, crazy time zone issues that we're having, and we're uh, recording from across the world
1: from each other. We'll manage. We'll That's figure it out. Well, right. Exactly. And Not you are you bad. are the
0: second uh, Australian episode, having had the the wonderful Mister Mallet on to talk about cancon before i'm
1: honored to be in the in the second to mallet uh, in the mallet shadow as it were in the mallet shadow we all live in the mallet shadow down here well
0: he truly is a trailblazer was that a white joke ash that's mean
1: what? Oh, no. Only don't... because you made it one.
0: <laughs> don't make me start editing the me- mean things already. <laughs> um, so, right, we're going to be talking about the ghostly boys today. And uh, both of you are coming from a slightly different perspective. Would that be fair to say? Definitely. Yeah, as in Ash knows what he's talking
1: about and I'm just here because... Because <laughs> the <laughs> ghost boys are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is the OG ghosty boys he had them before they were cool and I yeah. jumped on the bandwagon fair one fair one. Uh, oh, do you
0: know what that bandwagon thing um and this isn't at you Ash but that, that bandwagon thing is is I think it's almost like it's like semi semi gatekeeping sometimes when people go on Twitter and they go like oh you know let, what's what's coming out now um okay not not Lumineth because you know they they're a new
1: thing call it Seraphon why not yeah
0: yeah, yeah Seraphon Um, So Seraphon come out and people on like Twitter or like the faction WhatsApp chats, but, oh yeah, just wait till all the bandwagoners join our chat. It's just like, be happy that (laughs) other people are excited about seraphon or indeed let people make, be excited about
1: whatever
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly be happy that more people are playing your faction or maybe someone has always loved seraphon and just isn't part of the whatsapp chat because they're not playing it at the moment like doesn't necessarily make them a bandwagoner and even if they are a bandwagoner uh like let them let them enjoy new things and you know who's it harming really exactly as a as a serial bandwagoner i feel personally attacked <laughs> you know. I jump from project to project. And actually, that's one of the reasons why we're picking today to talk about Nighthorn. A, because Nighthorn's cool. Uh, but also, B, I've just bought a Nighthorn army. So um, I'm hoping to steal all your brain ideas and um, maybe put them on the tabletop when things get back to normal. Sounds good. Oh, I thought,
1: you, I thought that was the reason I was here, jumping from project to project.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, Chris, we are we are
1: kind of... We are all in sync on that. Don't worry, buddy. I don't think it counts as jumping from project to project when you just have them all. (laughs) It's just like an endless cycle. Look,
0: N is the number of armies, and I always have N plus one projects. (laughs) so you know it's cool well well, chris what are you working on at the moment oh
2: god uh to be honest actually nothing i have completely stopped since i got into blood bowl and it has become my life and i'm obsessed with it um and then before that it was tabletop simulator and before that it was underworlds online so model wise i've kind of stopped
0: but seraphon and ko blood blood bowl and uh and underworlds Cool, right? I'm just gonna just gonna work out how to kick you from this Discord channel, Uh, (laughs) and then Ash, Ash, we can we can talk about actual Warhammer, not none of this skirmish rubbish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you want to hear? Talking of of
0: gatekeeping, (laughs) you must have more than seven models in your army to be on this channel. Uh, um, (laughs) Only joking. Um, So Seraphon and Ko, Chris.
2: Yeah, um, I'd done most of my Seraphon for Sydney GT, a big uh, two and a half K tournament here last year, Um, but then obviously the new book dropped, and I had some more. Salamanders um from Mercia to, to paint up and uh the new pyramid. So I've done that. I'm working on the salamanders and just trying to get the extra kind of bits and bobs painted um to kind of finish that army off. And then yeah, getting my my KO army Barrack banana, um lovely yellow. Period. <laughs> Love it. Um so yeah, that's all uh, banana themed uh, KO. So that's yeah what I'm working on.
0: Wow, that sounds cool. Um I guess Mercia miniatures are probably loving the fact that Games Workshop have made um, a the rules for salamanders are amazing and b the models for the old salamanders um you know it, and uh and older let's say <laughs> um and i think they've got their own personal charm but you know whatever <laughs> more <laughs> character <laughs> char- i think that's actually nailed it characterful um but yeah i i think like sales of mercia salamanders or oh, but having said that i think They still look more like razodons than they do like salamanders, but whatever. hundred percent. (laughs) Yeah. If someone deploys like a horde of mercia salamanders in front of me, I'll just be like, "Um, yeah, those those aren't Wizwig. They clearly look like razodons. So um (laughs) yeah. But they're painted
1: red they painted was, red so it's, it's cool it's cool yeah. red, red,
0: <laughs> a red a red razor does not a salamander make
1: <laughs> right I, I ash feel, what about I yourself feel so targeted right now i feel so targeted oh.
0: <laughs> it's just shade throwing left right and Chelsea here on today's episode ash what about yourself what are you working on
1: um, I'm kind of in a holding pattern at the moment actually. I because I've, I've since the start of Age of Sigma, I've done a new army each year for each of the grand alliances. So I've now got one for each because we're four years in. Um, and I'm back to cycling back around to destruction, so I'm waiting for the the sons of Behemoth to drop. Ah excellent. Are you doing are you doing yeah. any like
0: pre-gargant? Pre gargeting, as you know, the likes of um, some people have been doing. It. I think Ben Johnson, you know, ever a fan of a Bear Moth Army, has been working on some gargants. Um, James Chalmers I've, from the Tales of Sigma podcast has been um, de- working on some as well.
1: You see a lot of people um, doing I, some like basic. I've been basic... thoroughly enjoying the the amount of content of gargants going on the on the website. So, but um, yeah, no, I've, I've not actually been starting any myself yet because I, I kind of want to be able to just run the new stuff. Um, Not that I don't like the current model, but um, if I'm able to run some of the new ones as Battleline, I think I'm probably just gonna go with all the new models because if I can have five giant Gargons, why would I take like seven smaller ones? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I,
0: yeah. That is definitely something I can get behind. I, I had some gargants, and I, I, they, they were relegated from the maybe to do pile uh, to actually to the not do pile because I had a bit of a hobby kind of consolidation, and I realised, you know what? That's one extra project that I won't do. Um, but so that they, they went to uh, someone else who uh, has put them to good use. And uh, my favourite though is Rich, who I think works at Games Workshop HQ, and uh, who's at Son of Bearmat. Very fitting name. And he, he, his was the army that was showcased on Warhammer Community site.
1: Yeah, right. With all the conversions. They're amazing, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're so good. I mean, so the amount of stuff that you can do with that kit is crazy. Like, even just from what is in the kit. And then when you add other pieces of, like, scenery or, um, like, I've seen bits with the the hands from some of the um, the trolls, like the trollgoths the... Um, the rock Rukat Trogoths, so you just throw those hands with the, the big boulders and things oh, on them. Oh, yeah, you yeah, really cool yeah. Stuff. And what's
0: the big Trogoth called? Um, the Dankhold one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that club looks really good. Uh, Rich is one of my favorite ones is the, I think it's the Bone Grinder Giant. There's a picture which is the Bone Grinder Giant holding the Sylvaneth uh, Floaty Tree Ender Spell, I think. And he's got it over the, it's got like the top of a citadel wood with the branches as the top of the tree. And you don't have a floaty Sylvaneth Tree. It's kind of got its roots all floating about
1: yeah like all pulled up
0: yeah yeah so he's got it he's got it over his shoulder as if it's he's been pulled pulled out from the ground and it's That's next cool. to a normal gargan which is tiny about half a size and he's blowing the the dirge horn from the beastman dispels <laughs> And I guess, yeah, that just shows the flexibility of, of combining all these kits and, and how awesome it is. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Gargants, are we? We're here to talk about Ghosts. So as someone who has recently bought some Nighthorn and is yet to kind of work out what I'm going to do to them. Um, and also other people might be thinking, right, what what's my isolation army going to be? Or what's my, my army going to be after lockdown finishes and tournament start up? Why would someone want to pick up Nighthorn? Chris, what about what do you think?
2: Um, ease of access um, cool models um, as well. Um, if you like ghosts, they're cool. Um, but to be honest, yeah, starter army—they they come in a lot of different starter boxes for them. Um, it's probably one of the one of the reasons. And I do think they look really cool. They're they're a cool army that's got different size models. Um, it's got foot dudes, cavalry. It's got the black coach. Um, I think I think they're a really nice aesthetically um pleasing army so mm, yeah Certainly that's, still, why I that's some
0: thing, something that comes up uh quite a lot actually in terms of army composition is not just having a load of dudes on 32s and then your hero on 40s like a kind of old school grot army uh, or is it something like an old like, school fire slayer army yeah yeah all that with a, yeah exactly <laughs> just lots of to be fair fire uh and new school fire slayers army maybe um maybe, it's just maybe. lots of Lots of orange dwarfs, naked orange dwarfs, who all look incredibly similar. Playing against Fire Slayers is actually one of my my least favourite Age of Sigmar experiences, purely because I don't know... It's my fault for not learning what the models are, but I have no idea what any of the models are. And they all look very, very similar. And I'm sure, you know, if I collected them and built them and and actually looked at them, I would know. But when you're just like, right, that's a big unit of dudes with axes, and that's another big unit of dudes with axes, and that's a very, very similar-sized dude in the middle of that bit. Bunch of dudes with axes. Oh, and he's a hero. Okay, cool. Right, gotcha. Oh, so his hawk <laughs> is slightly more orange than everyone else's. Right, I'm with you. <laughs> it's yeah, just very confusing. I'm
1: sure. I'm sure there's someone out there that's running the the five Magmadroths, but um, we're yet to find him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think Tom Hewitt was uh, who actually sold me my Nighthorn army. Uh, Tom Hewitt's doing a Magmadroth army, or was doing Magmadroth. I, I definitely remember seeing some Magmadroths from him, and he's at Battle Roll on Twitter. Uh, so I'll see if I can find someone retweet it if, it if he has done it. I remember definitely remember seeing some whips. A while ago. Uh but yeah, what about yourself, Ash? Why would someone want to pick up Nighthaunt apart from ease of access to models like you know, we're talking about things like the core sets, the various different core sets, things like the Mortal Realms magazines, and of course, uh like a start collecting box, which isn't really start collecting night but it is kind of it does have models in it that you can use.
1: It does, yeah. Um, I think the for me, the biggest reason to to start collecting them, particularly if you're a newer player, is because the the models really lend themselves well to painting uh, in a, a quick way, so you can get the army on the tabletop uh, to a pretty acceptable standard, and then it also does allow you to take it that next step to sort of take it to the to high level, um, doing some really nice blending and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, that sort of like really makes it easy an easy access, but from a different perspective that um, you can get it painted up nice and quick.
0: And we've seen a we've seen, let's say, a little bit of conversation and chat about concept armies recently on Twitter. Actually, Nighthorn are probably the, the original concept I army mean, you know people have been painting things like ghosts or stone or kind of you know just painting them black with a bit of gray uh, dry brushing and some red spot colors actually nighthorn are the the most the most kind of adaptable to that scheme isn't it
1: yeah definitely it's the the one that probably would lean itself to it uh the most uh potentially uh, apart from some pistolers painted up gray
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how have you painted yours chris uh what's
2: painting uh no mine are yeah, mine would. He's uh, a three colours of purple a concept army. Ash is gonna. He's already <laughs> given me like a of rubbish one. They are. They are purple. But there's actually like eight different colours that goes into them. And the bases are nice. But yeah, they're 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 they're
0: purple. They're one colour. They're purple. Excellent. Well, Ash, what about yourself?
1: Um, so I've gone for a really like out there concept army again. Like I, I I think concept army gets a bad rap because you can take it like from one stage, but then you can also do something really interesting with it. So what I've done with mine is that I've done a um sort of a, Apple green, um, sort of ethereal side, and then the bases are a really vibrant, uh, like sheerish and purple. Um, so I've got a really nice, interesting, like contrast there with the colours. Um, then painted up all of the. Um, all of the weapons and everything in the steel and and sort of taking it that next level awesome
0: well anything that's like bright green immediately gets my my tick because i end up painting things bright green regardless of how what what i what what shade of green i try to use i end up painting them basically scorpion green (laughs) (laughs) which is what happened to my my theoretically dark angel styled a storm cast they then suddenly became kind of moot green colored and i was like yeah yeah never mind i'll go with perfect it. but that, that kind of yeah as you say apple green and and purple and yellow really works actually it's
1: a really nice color combo yeah definitely And um, yes yeah, it's, it's one of those things is like when the the models came out i was just playing around with my photoshop filters and seeing what i could change the colors to be and i just like started playing around with the the color slider and it um it's a really good way of just seeing because like you see what the colors are that the um, the heavy metal team have done and you can sort of Take it from there and and put your own spin on it just by sliding that um, that uh, color adjust slider around and it keeps them in the complementary schemes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's really
0: cool because then you use the same style of colors but just in a different palette. Yeah, awesome. So that's why someone might want to pick them up. But what what about them specifically for you, Chris? Was it that made you want to run them? Um, in terms of gameplay, really... perhaps
2: yeah i'm
0: trying to think like i just like them
2: um i think at the time in the game when i was looking on them The like i had a mongol because he was really good um and i think ethereal was really strong um which is also one of the the reasons i was gonna go back to as well actually is why someone might want to run them is because they're quite a beginner friendly army because actually they can ignore quite a lot of rules um in terms of just saying what's your armor save it's generally for every single unit in the book it's four up and you don't worry about rend or anything like that you just say my save's four don't worry about it that's what my arm save is um and i think at that point that was when ko were really strong was i think the point i started to get into them because ko didn't have mortals they had lots of rend and so i liked the fact that they were just it was an ethereal army um and the mongol was really good for minuses to hit so i think that's probably why i got into them originally um but most of my Nighthorn I've got the newer stuff now, but I did actually have a lot of the older stuff. Like I've got lots of hex wraith and I've got lots of spirit hosts and things like that. Um and I still really like them, even though they're a [bitch] to build. Um <laughs> well, two two out of three spirit hosts are fine. That third one, and anyone that's ever built them knows which one I'm talking about, is horrible to build. Um but yeah, I think yeah, I think generally the kind of ignoring rend is probably why I initially go into them.
0: And what about yourself, Ash? From a uh... From someone who was playing, I think, Iron Jaws uh, a decent level, you kind of switched mm-hmm. fire from Oryx, didn't you?
1: So I, I was, I actually went from Oryx to Zinch, um, uh, but I had to shelf my Zinch relatively quickly because um, everyone hated him. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, following the Zinch, I did go into the Nighthorn. And I think the reason... I mean, I, initially I had gone into the Night Haunt back in 8th edition days. I, I was playing um, Spirit Hosts and Hex Rays in my Vampire Counts army, and I had the Black Coach and everything like that. So I, I really loved the theme behind them. Um, and then just seeing the the new models in the starter set when that dropped um, just blew me away, um, particularly some models that um, I don't use in my army, but I really love, like, the Lord Executioner, the way he's floating on his, uh, the, the ghostly... Uh, aspect coming out of his axe and some of those models just blew me away so i i was i was locked in from that point there was no way i wasn't doing it
0: i've i've definitely come around to the army as in terms of modeling when they first came out when soul Wars came out i just wasn't really kind of sold on them and but i i I kind of appreciated from a model design perspective that they were they they were kind of uh, cleverly designed and actually the uh, who was the original kind of Wraith? that was it i remember seeing loads of amazing kind of dark mechanicum Wraith conversions in 40k mm. so like a servo skull instead of the the usual face and then i don't know some sort of graviton gun coming out from under the robes and some kind of mechadendrite ter- tentacles type things coming out from under and I just, i've always liked those conversions and always wanted to try one and actually as the years have gone on i've thought actually they would be really cool from a painting perspective definitely but as you say they've got some quite tasty different mechanics so the um the fact that they ignore rend is really cool Uh, and i think their maneuverability is kind of from a dominating board perspective not necessarily in their physical presence but also in the way they can get around uh, sorry they can stop the enemy getting around as well so things like the briar queen's movement shutdown spell
1: um or yeah they're great as a control army and as a flex army so you can you can pin someone in on one half of the board and then be comp- like the entirety of your army can be on the other side of the board within like the instant of a, a start of the movement phase. Um yeah.
0: And and your your opponent can kind of get through the majority of a unit and be like, right, okay. In after, you know, in in so your opponent charges them in his turn, uh, they then chew through the rest of the unit and think, right. In the preceding combat phase, sorry, in this successive combat phase, I'm going to smash through that unit and then it'll be my turn again, potentially, depending on the doubles, whatever. Uh, and then I can move on from there. But in your turn, you can then regenerate them back and then deny that additional bounce that that, that unit might have provided. Mm. And even just slowing down your unit like that, like almost like an extended speed bump.
1: Yeah, it definitely works that way, and and particularly when you have um, multiple small units, you get people like sort of flipping back and forwards between who they should be attacking, and they often lend each like leave each unit with one or two models left, and then there's there's plenty of ways of bringing them back, or even if you do, just leave those two models to die. Um, you've held up a and a, probably a, a more valuable combat threat for a turn, which is always worthwhile. So coming come, building on that, there you
0: said MSU multiple small units. Do you think that's the the style of army list that Nighthorn? in its Nighthorn Incarnation favours?
1: That's certainly the way that I've played them and found that I've been getting success with them, um, partly because I, I do enjoy whenever I'm building an army, I'll, I'll try and take as many of the units as I can just because I'm, I'm a collector from that perspective. But... Um, as a result, it actually does work quite well in the Nihon army because you the more units you have, the more charges you're rolling, the more chances you have of rolling that 10 plus charge, which gives you the extra combat phase. Um, so it definitely plays into that. And we should probably definitely
0: mention, although we're not going to really be going into it today, the Legion of Grief. And that there's definitely a, a difference in style in the <laughs> list. That... <laughs> Ash, I know you're very leveled and kind of um, <laughs> uh, receptive to running Legions of Grief, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, why not?
0: <laughs> um uh, you know why have you chosen legion of grief uh, sorry nighthorn over legion of grief there nash
1: so the, i mean the main reason for me is because i i found that i was enjoying the way that night was playing before legion of grief was even released so I, I found no reason why i should um swap over to legion of grief uh, uh, definitely legion of grief is a more forgiving play style as well so if you if you feel like you need that crutch for
0: <laughs> brutal brutal <laughs> Uh, Chris, what about yourself? Is Legion of Grief something you've dabbled in?
2: Um, not on the tabletop. I've written a lot of lists for it. Um, I would say that it does play very differently, um, and I would completely agree with what Ash said in terms of it being a more forgiving play style. Um style. in of Grief, definitely. Most lists tend to, that have done well anyway, I think tend to um, fall around the kind of command, ability stacking, um, CP farming um, ways, and they can turn even chain rasps into really brutal units and um, they're they're a very f- efficient unit anyway but once you start stacking kind of all of the command abilities that you're able to do with the amount of cp you can generate in legion of grief then i think they become quite formidable and then the best thing is that obviously you gain access to the four grave sites and the ability to just completely bring units back for one cp and again it's an army that can farm cp so um it's it's much more forgiving um, than Nighthaunt, um, but they, they play it very differently. Um, in terms of Nighthaunt, uh, the play style, whether MSU or kind of, um, I guess, a, a bus um, big unit um, that you would have got in 8th Ed and the older editions, I guess. It's quite interesting because I know Ash has had, like, a lot of success with MSU, and half of the books, allegiance ability, would suggest that MSU is better because, yeah, the more attempts you roll at making, you um, charges on tens the more uh likely you are to get those off so get extra attacks um but then at the same time they have quite a few things for just returning d3 models um into units and you can have units that have got two three wound models like hex raids or spirit hosts and there's multiple ways to just add multiple models back in but you want a big unit to kind of have the The ablative wound counts so that they don't get popped because in Nighthorn, as soon as the unit is dead, it's dead, it can't come back. So, um, they kind of it's this weird juxtaposition of having two different things in the book that both complement a completely different way of building the army. Um, so you might maybe have one kind of Death Star unit and then try and fit as many small units in around that to get the best of both worlds. So it's, a, it's a
0: balance of, in, in nighthorn certainly, it's a balance of having the unit big enough that they're still on the board, but not so big that adding one or two extra models to it is is not really going to make that difference because, uh, you know, having a three-model three, three model unit of spirit host and returning one of that to it is, is, is huge. That's that's so significant. You're doubling the number of models in that unit, doubling the number of wounds. But then if they just killed one extra spirit host, then that unit's gone. And as you say, can't be then be uh, regenerated because it's a regeneration mechanic rather than a resurrection. And Whereas Legion of Grief, you can resurrect whole units, can't you? Right, so the yeah. Nighthawk Bathatome has been out for some time. And I would say, certainly from my perspective uh, perspective rather, and coming from a UK meta uh, analysis point of view, you don't see too many Nighthorn armies at events. And I would say even less of those that do attend events towards the upper echelons and, and on the podium. Is it a perception issue? Do you think people aren't running Nighthorn because they're not? popular they haven't kind of captured the the hearts of some some top players and they're just not being used so therefore other people aren't maybe mimicking that or are they just not that good ash what are your thoughts
1: um it's interesting you put it that way because the i, I believe the first event after the night release um one of the the players uh over in the uk took him to an event and won think that might have been Ben Johnson. Um so I, it's interesting that the it's not really seen anymore I guess is more the the point. Um maybe it's just that the the excitement of the army um was something that was more short-lived and and perhaps the release schedule played into that and that there's more new exciting things that have come out since then um knight doesn't have your like your different um like sub factions and allegiances so there perhaps is a perception that there's not as much play there um so i I can see why that would um sort of discourage people from picking them up to start out with if they think they're going to get less use out of them
0: yeah i'm just i'm now trying to kind of rack my brains of an of an older faction that people still play uh, and I think Flesh Eater Courts maybe one that comes to mind uh, it's I know they've had a, re- a much a more recent book than The Nighthorn and they do have those sub factions but I guess you still see Flesh Eater Courts and things like uh, Blister Skin and uh, Gristle Gore still doing quite well even though they're a kind of an older thing and, and there's a, a perception that Flesh Eater Courts have definitely got some kind of legs to them whereas I, I certainly from my perspective and do you know what I, I could be wrong but I don't think there's there's as much kind of uh <sighs> enthusiasm is maybe the wrong word but kind of if if you're gonna if you're gonna do like one of those tier lists i don't see night kind of kind of representing themselves at the top end of those kind of tier lists
1: yeah it's it's probably a um sort of a something that sort of plays into itself is that um yeah if, if the the top players uh in your area aren't playing that army um then it's not being seen as one that's winning events and then therefore um, the players that perhaps would have picked it up originally may may decide to choose something else that they' they've seen has had success already.
0: What about yourself, Chris? Is, do you think the does the Australian scene differ? Is, is Nighthorn something that you see more of or is there, is there a kind of fundamental issue with the book at the moment that you think needs to be addressed in, a, in an update?
1: Um,
2: I think we still see quite a lot of Nighthorn around the table. certainly at events I've been. I think they they're there quite a lot. um lots of newer players. um I do think they lend themselves as we were saying earlier to, to being quite an attractive army for new players lots of newer players tend to bring them so we still see them quite a lot but we just don't see them towards the top unless ash is running them because he has won events with nighthorn um but to be honest i think the main reason they don't have a great rap is because at the time they got released was basically when um, legions of nagash were out and they were at the height of their power and everyone pretty much looked at it and went well, they don't have grave sites. they can't bring units back and because as soon as they did the errata to allow a lot of the night haunt units into legions of nagash the ghast Re- reapers which when they came out were very very good for their points and to be honest they still are people seem to have forgotten but when they come on the table and you realize like actually these guys didn't get worse it's just other things have come out and people kind of forget about units once they start not hitting the tables as much but they're still just as good as they ever were um but to be honest i think that's the main reason um people kind of they don't go back i think the general populace doesn't go back and look at a book to reevaluate. with more books coming out or the meta changing or points changing or a new edition of the general's handbook for example and so everyone generally is stuck in the mindset of well legions of nagash is just stronger and all the best units of night want are better in legions so night Hunts just garbage um but I think when you actually dig into the Nighthorn book, there's some amazing units, there's some amazing abilities and amazing artifacts, which was kind of really brought to light, I think, recently when um, Darren Watson did um, a list diary specifically on Nighthorn. He was like, there's some amazing stuff in here. And it's people like him as well that generally look at things. I think they would go back and look at War Scrolls and units all the time. And actually, he was like, Do you know, what? I had no idea this existed and it, it it fall it's one of those books that unfortunately fell into the, the the crevasse of just people ignoring it and not bothering to actually delve into it because it was kind of everyone said it's rubbish and legions is the way to go and that's that um chapter done um which yeah i think that's that's probably my my thoughts on uh what happened tonight yeah it's, one, it's
0: i think a book that's got potential but has been overlooked so that's something i'm keen to maybe unlock maybe try and Bring a, a slightly left field Nighthorn army, or, or maybe an established Nighthorn army to an event, and and just kind of play it more. I think there's definitely a lot. Of, you know, when I first started bringing the pterodons, I was terrible with them. That's not that's not meant to be a pun, but. Um... Uh, it, I guess it could be, um, I was absolutely awful with them, and the more games I played, you know, this is going to sound really obvious, but the more games I played, the better with the army I got, um, and actually what? I think <laughs> let's say what! <laughs> um, I genuinely think Nighthorn is maybe one of those things where there it doesn't there aren't some really obvious kind of crazy things, like you look at OBR and you think, right, you know, Petrofex that's amazing, Catapults, they're amazing, whereas Nighthorn has It's almost got like some second level synergies that you need to really think about. And I think if the more you start playing them, the more of those you kind of unlock. And I guess I kind of want to have an army that I've got lots of, which I which I have to now. It's an army that I've owned a couple of times before and never really got off the ground. So I, I still I, there's definitely something there. There's, there's a reason why this is my kind of third time I've owned these models.
1: Yeah. I, I definitely see that um I guess the, a part of the, the issue is the Nighthorn stat gets lost amongst the Legions of Grief and Legion of Nagash. Um so like there are a lot of Nighthorn models being played. People know that the Night. Nighthaunt, war scrolls are good uh, they're just not playing the allegiance and i think that's because the allegiance isn't obvious i think it's it's one that um you really need to play the army to to see the potential there um and like to be fair when even going into cancon last year um when i started like my, that was the first time i'd, I'd done quite well with the night um i had only played maybe five or six games um and i just started to understand some of the the ways that you can use the army. Um, and I was I was kind of taking a bit of a meme list, throwing in the, the purple sun in there to to try that out. Um, but it actually, it works quite well with um, some of the allegiance abilities and some of the um, the movement control shenanigans that you can do with the army. Um, and it's something that people weren't expecting as well, which I think is a, a sort of a key point that will help yeah, you as well. Yeah, and
0: going back to those kind of points about dominating the board, not necessarily with physical presence and kind of deny. And, and you mentioned kind of a, a control style list. That kind of control deck style list is something that i'm really keen to start looking you know that that's what i want to do with my nighthorn is something where it's not necessarily about you know destroying units with you know a ridiculous amount of mortal wounds it's about stopping your enemy being able to do their thing rather than you doing your thing so more of a i guess you're still actively it's not a passive army because you're actively
1: involved but you're actively involved in prevention rather than destruction Mm. And it's also it's not a um control army in the same way that a like, glimpse Spike gets, for instance, would be a control army by putting all of the minus ones to hit on you. You're still hitting like you normally would. You're just not gonna move to where you yeah, want to be. Yeah, definitely. Like a it's like a kind of, yeah, it's just a really
0: interesting style of army, which I think Nighthaunt does really well. Um I think the you know, we spoke about it, you know, in the last episode with Benjamin Sava, we spoke about how the the threat of something doing something is is as good as doing it itself and i think when you've got something like the Dreadblade harrow movement shenanigans or the briar queens movement shutdowns i think that's the fact that you can do that adds another layer of threat to your army that you don't actually have to realize on the tabletop to have its impact so that's mm-hmm. that's where i'm coming from that from the from the night horn that's why i want to do the night horn as well
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, in terms of the the control aspect of Nighthorn, and it's one thing that Ash definitely has gone into with his playstyle from what I've experienced of it firsthand, certainly with the MSU and the the cheaper units, is it's an army that really excels against foot armies, so armies that don't fly, because your entire army does fly. Um, So you can jump over screens, you can kind of go wherever you want. It's highly mobile. Um, and you can re-teleport with the dreadblade and things like that so your army is really mobile you can start half of it off the board and pop up where you want you can then reposition once the game's afoot but what you can really do to your opponent is and i think it's something that ash was doing that was le- leading to a lot of his successes you can just screen people off with a unit of 10 chain spaced one inch apart and if you're playing an army that doesn't fly they can have 800 points tied up into an absolutely killing death star great it can kill 80 like 80 points worth of chain rafts you're only playing five turns and you just basically have damage mitigation through just holding people up and just going that's cool you're going to kill that unit i don't care it's it's 80 points the fact is you can't you can't go past it so where i put it as a wall you're going to hit that wall and then here's another one behind it for next turn um and that's something that i think Nighthorn do excel at um, and they come a little bit unstuck when they play armies that don't get obstructed by that. So armies that can fly or also teleport
0: and reposition. So we we were going to talk about kind of war scroll battalions as a way to kind of look at building the army. Because quite often I find that I pick a war scroll battalion to use as the core of my force and then build the rest of the army around that. Um, if you are looking for a control style of list, are there any war scroll battalions Ash that you think really stand out?
1: Um, so the, the one that I I always use was the shroud guard um not because it stands out as a control battalion um but because it includes the units that i wanted to take anyway um so you're not you're not spending the the points on uh, sort of ablative units that you weren't going to bring um the the ability that it does give you is is quite good so it gives you a, a 5 plus mortal wound shrug and uh, sorry, a wound and mortal wound shrug um, on your uh, on your units of uh, the um
2: Blade you know, Guys Revenants.
1: Blade Guys Revenants. Yeah, I was just looking at my app there to find out what the name was. Um, Blade Guys Revenants. So you, you're um, it gives you a a better, um, offensive, effectively a better death save for those units. Um, and because I play them in a, a an MSU style, um, it might mean that people undercommit what they need to put into that unit to kill it. Um, they think it's only five wounds on a four up save. Well, it's it's five wounds on a four up save. Maybe rerolling ones. With a five up shrug, um, and then you can bring models back. So it can be a little bit more um, resilient than people expect. Um, the other one that's quite good for um, playing into the elite and disability, but not necessarily into the controller game, is the Death Riders, which gives you. Um, I Any mean, uh, charge rolls of a nine plus instead of a ten plus give you the the extra round of combat. Um, so that, th- those are the two ones that I sort of immediately pull out as the the better ones from the the battle tome. There's obviously the new ones from White Dwarf, which are good as well. But and what um, do you think yeah. about
0: those those new White Dwarf four score battalions? You said that they're quite good. I I think the um, Knight of Shrouds and Dreadblade Harrow one. Is this possibly in second place, whereas the hex
1: one I think has definitely got more potential. Have
0: you used them in in practice or at any events?
1: I've not used them, no. Um, I've I've definitely I've written a bunch of lists with the the wraith one in it. Um, and I think if you're gonna take the um the dreadblade one and then with the knight of shrouds, you're basically taking that so you can take it as a one drop um i don't see any reason why you would just take that battalion on its own um but yeah definitely the the hex rates one to protect your general um is pretty pretty useful
0: and i think that that i think really unlocks potential of Alinda because she's actually quite fragile for such a centerpiece model isn't she
1: yeah definitely
0: so i guess we referred to there about one of the uh war scroll not war scroll rather the battle traits and the fact that if you roll a 10 on a charge you get to immediately fire after you complete the charge phase uh so chris do you want to kind of run us through some of the other uh, battle traits of the army
2: yeah so um i mean the whole army gives minus one bravery if you're within six inches of it um of any of the night units so like it's not a lot but it, it can stack up um that's something that's quite good um obviously it's a death army so it tends everything gets the kind of deathless minions um six up after save um which is yeah again um useful it's not amazing or really powerful but it it kind of every little helps um but yeah i think the main one really is that um the kind of the wave of terror rule um there are a few that generally always get forgotten um there's feed on terror which is whenever an enemy unit fails a battle shock test you can pick a night horn hero within six um of that unit and they get to heal a wound um which it's again it's not massive but if you remember it then yeah you might heal a wound um and then the other one is you can uh, set up up to half of your army um off the board essentially in the way that a lot of armies can now and they can appear in your movement phases um up to nine inches away as long as they're on the board by round three um, and then the final one is any general can um you can pick up knight-horn units that are already on the battlefield and set them up probably than 12 of your general um and they obviously have to be nine away so that's what we're talking about in terms of repositioning the army um kind of throughout the game um, which is it, that's really useful as well um, especially combined with kind of wave of terror given that you, you need to roll 10 inch charges to get that ability anyway the nine inch teleport isn't as problematic because you're kind of hoping for 10s on your charges anyway um, but yeah they're kind of the uh, the night horn allegiance abilities
0: so let's kind of go through those uh i guess case by case and see what combos work so aura of dread the minus one to bravery characteristic uh, whilst they're within six inches of any friendly nighthorn units is that something that combos with anything else in in terms of
1: bravery mechanics and bravery debuffs and the rest of the army?
0: You can definitely build into that. Yeah, um like
2: Ash did with the purple sun.
1: You've got the endless spells that you can build into it. Um so I just had the one, I just had the endless the um the purple sun, but you can also put the suffocating grave tide, you can put the um Nagash's head and streaker the horror ghast in there um uh yeah so there's a a couple of ways that you can uh, reduce bravery um from that perspective um and then uh, i guess if your opponent is thinking about their command points as a resource for their command abilities if they're forced to use those on um on ignoring battle shock that's taking away abilities from your opponent which is again a part of the control way that the army plays because most most sort of um battle line units will be maybe bravey 5 bravey six so if they lose two or three models they are at risk of losing more models if they don't ignore the battle shock um and, and, and there's definitely armies that are just immune to battle shock like your osseic bone reapers um but uh, yeah there's um I guess that's where you can play into it uh is more around the incidental damage that people aren't expecting, um, because people don't usually expect battle to be a problem. Yeah, it's the
0: kind of the second order, and this is what I was referring to as the kind of uh, slightly more uh, second layer benefits of a Night Hawk army. Is that, and you've referred to it right there as the it's not necessarily that subtract one from the bravery characteristic of enemy units. It's not necessarily that the uh, the enemy is losing one extra model to bravery. It's the fact that it caused your enemy to spend. The command points because not only are they thinking oh actually i might pop an extra dude and that could be of a multi this is you know obviously much better against things like stormcast or ogres where you know multi-wound models might go pop um but also if you've got a hero within six that feed on terror if your opponents remembering it they're not just thinking about right do i do den- not do i deny the fact that uh, one of my models goes pop but i also deny the fact that that night haunt hero that's partially wounded can then regenerate a wound so there yeah. there's more reasons for it too. so so in itself it is it combos quite well with the feeder terror thing because there's more reasons for your opponent to spend those CPs and then as you say once those CPs are spent they're not spending them on other things uh, so uh, as you say yeah that that's really a really nice way to kind of add to the the additional factor that's playing on your opponent's mind and maybe kind of h- helping influence the, how they play yeah definitely um, in terms of death of spirits yeah fine uh, six plus uh, damage prevention roll is that something that combos with the uh, shroud
1: guard uh, five up roll. So, so it's the the five up roll from the shroud god is instead of that deathless spirit. Gotcha. Roll. So
0: the shroud god rather is uh, is buffing the six plus roll rather than having an, yeah. another layer. Cool. Gotcha. Exactly. And then from the underworlds they come. I guess you're you're looking to roll a nine, ten, eleven, twelve anyway. So actually seventy five percent of your successful charges are going to attack first. And, exactly. You know. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, nine up charges isn't necessarily something that's that's you know, statistically you're not you're not going to get many of those off but uh but 75 of the ones percent of the ones that you do get off are going to be able to attack is it, and you can you can buff that i think from the underworlds they come is a nice way to buff the um uh the death riders war squad battalion would you would you look to deep strike your hex race and black coach and Dreadblade harrow or do you think they're better off uh being on the board
1: I would start them on the board in that battalion um, because there's an artifact that can give them plus three moves. It's the Pendant of the Fellwind. So everything that's wholly within 12 inches of the the bearer of the artifact can add three inches to its move. Um, If you get two upgrades on your black coach, uh, it can run and charge. So you you can potentially be, uh, if you... Use a command point to make your run roll a 6 for your black coach. You can moving, be moving 23 inches before you charge. Um, and likewise, the hex rates to moved 12, I think, to start out with. So movement 15, that's that's going to get you across the board in most um, 18-inch scenarios to 3 inches away from your opponent anyway. And then if you roll the 10, you get that extra charge bonus of maybe flying over the top of the screen and getting to the, the back lines. Mm. Um, so maybe not for that battalion, but um, definitely just for the sake of board control from the underworlds they come is fantastic for that, and also for um, throwing away units to grab points. Um, So any of the scenarios where you need to move someone onto the middle of the board on the first turn to grab an objective to grab points... I'll usually put the Thorns of the Briar Queen on one and 10 Chain Rasps on the other and create screens so that my opponent has to then work their way through that army to get to my juicy stuff. And that gives me the chance for the Counterpunch to come back in with um, some of my more powerful units. Um, And then if I'll usually leave some... um, some of the the shroud guard units off the table as well so that they can then go in behind the enemy units when they start to push forwards
0: yeah it's quite a nice way to deploy a, a pre screen in front of something that grabs an objective so you can you move up to grab an objective on turn 1 with whatever's on your front line but then you deploy via the the nine inch uh, from the from the shrouds they come sorry from the shadows whatever underworlds uh, from the, underworlds, from the underworlds, yeah. underworlds there we go from the shadowy underworld shroud something um, <laughs> uh, you use those to then put those in front of the thing that you've just captured the objective so that as you say your your opponent needs to chew through that and the thing on the objective to get the objective rather than just the traditional thing and it's especially useful in the kind of hero capture um, missions where you you want your hero on those objectives for longer and you want to maybe then use those chain to stop your opponent from getting to those units for an extra turn because that'll then tick tick your counter up a little bit more
1: yeah it's definitely easier to set up multiple screens when you don't have to move them from your deployment zone you can just set them up wherever
0: so on terms in terms of wave of terror your death riders they get it on a nine plus but they also add one to charge rolls anyway so are you getting that on an eight plus then for death riders
1: no so the the death riders they they've got a new ability that allows you to um to score on an unmodified nine plus rather than on an unmodified ten plus uh so they they will be making those nine inch charges on an eight um but they'll only be getting the um the wave of terror um attacks on a on a nine of
0: course it does say unmodified there i i selectively chose to ignore that word um and uh yeah good catch so that's <laughs> that's quite interesting okay so so i think that's really death riders not, doesn't seem like an i'm not I don't want to say auto take but it's it's definitely seeing seeming like a really strong um strong war battalion to kind of build around and you know it's, it's one dreadblade harrow which you're going to be taking anyway right yeah uh, two units of hex rates. i mean i'm not a huge fan of hex wraiths model wise but you know i think they've got as you say that that threat range and a black coach i mean if you're not running a black coach in your nighthawk army then you're doing something wrong i think it's just such a beautiful model it's got the it's got this the the, the the stance it's its such an imposing model you could build a huge scenic base and, and have it kind of cruising around up, up up high or just even stock it's it's lovely isn't it
1: yeah it's fantastic so it's, it's probably i think it's still my favorite model today that they've released yeah it's just it's like it,
0: when you look at the the kind of before and after like you know the yeah. the black coach she tells you not to worry about versus you you know that, 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 <laughs> old, that old black coach just uh, it's it's just such an amazing reimagining of that model so there we go. We've got, we've got a death rider battalion as the kind of the core of a, of a, of a list. And and what would you, what would you sprinkle on top of that to, to kind of build out a, a kind of control list? Is there something you're looking at in terms of, uh, damage or manu- uh, stopping people move? You know, maybe let's add a, a thorn to the Briar Queen into there as well.
1: Yeah, definitely throw in the thorns of the briar queen uh, alongside some other wizards, so you can put shackles down as well. You can quarter someone's movement, which is pretty debilitating, um, and do a bit of chip model wound damage as well out of that. And I think you're probably building to 1950 anyway, because I think that extra
0: CP is is essential, especially if you're going to. It's
1: definitely it's definitely useful in the army for sure.
0: I think especially if you're looking at re-rolling some nine-inch charges to when if you are looking to use the um, the kind of deep strike mechanic. Then being able to have the the reroll on the from the Underworlds they come charge just just helps you, kind of really you know take best advantage of that.
1: Yeah, I think if you're you're not building to um, take an extra command point to start out with, you're building to take the penumbral engine so you can potentially generate more command points throughout the entire game. Um, And even if you're not generating command points, you've got an unrendable 4-plus save that you can then reroll ones for. Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, do you
0: think the Dreadblade Harrow has to be the general in in a list like this, or do you think you're looking at... Does does Alinda have to be
1: the general if she's on the board? She doesn't have to be the general if she's on the board. Um, I'm not sure if that's different in Legion of Grief. It might be the case I think that that's she a, has to in that I'm, one.
0: I think I'm misremembering my Legion of Grief rules. Um, mm-hmm. I think she. Um, she so yes, so she, if she's there,
1: she doesn't need to be in the in the Nighthorn allegiance. Uh, she can you can have the night, uh, the um, Dreadblade Harrow as your general, um, which is what I always do because it, it adds so much more maneuverability. Um, in case people don't understand how that works, you your uh, allegiance ability that gives you the spectral summons command ability. Um, that happens at the uh, at the start of the movement phase. Um, and the dreadblade harrow has an ability that allows you to teleport anywhere on the board outside nine inches at the start of your movement phase. So you can effectively redeploy as many units in your army as you have command points anywhere you want to with him as your general. That's I think that's really that's really quite tasty. I think
0: in in a control list the your ability to essentially reposition so much of your army and especially those those models that maybe have a, a low movement value and i think i think you're right in in kind of correcting me on saying that actually you know you're not looking at using the the deep strike mechanic for your high movement models <laughs> why would you uh, when there's 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 enough <laughs> of the army that that needs that um to teleport uh, and you can do that via either deployment through the the, the um, deep strike, or you can do it via your um, dreadblade harrow. And I think the kind of the way you can just move things around the board, not willy nilly, because you've obviously got to use your command points to do it, but with with a fair amount of certainty, being able to reposition key units uh, even late game, just for a little objective nabs, I think
1: that's really quite powerful. Yeah, definitely in the late game, it sort of comes into its own because you do have to have all of your units on the board by that point. From the the from the underworlds, they come; they have to be on the board uh, by the start of turn four. Um, so, yeah, to be able to reposition uh, a unit of 10 chain rasps to the back lines of an enemy army to grab an objective uh, super powerful. So, I kind of want to take a
0: little bit of time to talk about spirit hosts now. Uh, they are they are the first. Well, apart from maybe Khan Wraith, they they were out first. But they were the they were an end times release, weren't they? Weren't they? Did
1: they come out with Nagash? Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah. So, they they came out alongside Nagash and the Mortar.
0: So I guess they're the they're one of the OG Nighthawk models. But and apart from their their slight frustration uh, in the assembly, which I've heard lots about, that the the three units of three that I own I haven't assembled. So I um I got them I bought them preassembled. So. Uh, Maybe I've I've just never had to deal with the frustration of them, but I think they're they're cool models and they've got a decent amount of wounds. And you know, when you when you bring one back on a five or a six, uh, being able to kind of add another three wounds to the unit is is quite tasty. Do you think they're workable in an army? I remember you saying on AOS Coach's uh, YouTube uh, interview that you did about faction focus about Nighthorn. You said the Execution Horde, the one with the uh, Lord Execution and three units of Spirit Host, was was one of the more squad battalions you'd look to avoid. Do you think they're workable outside of battalion?
1: Definitely. I think I'll probably hand over to Chris on this one because he's probably got more plans all, all around the, the hex raids and the spirit hosts, some of the older units, because that's the stuff that he's sort of been playing with the, since he's been playing Nighthorn. Yeah.
2: Um... I think spirit hosts are great. They're one of the units that you generally can see as the kind of um, death star unit where you maybe take nine, even 12 of them um, in a unit to give you um, the kind of ablative wounds so the whole unit doesn't get wiped and then you add back into it with a black coach, potentially even two black coaches. Um, because as soon as they've got one level of power, they can add D3 models back into a unit. So if you've got two of them, then you can add two D3 whole models back into...
0: Double black coach. Now you're talking, Chris. This is more like... (laughs)
2: Into, uh, into a big unit and there's also a command trait that you can take, which is pick a unit and add D3 models to it as well. So potentially you can add 3D3 3D spirit hosts into a unit um, or into, into different units. So you could run them MSU, but you're running the risk that the units just get wiped out, whereas a unit of 9 um, or 12 is more likely to survive and then get topped up and they they roll a bucket load of attacks um six each so it's 18 dice per unit of three and every six to hit unmodified is a mortal wound so if you get a big unit and you get them all in which with having fly um actually is easier to do in this army than other armies in terms of getting um more of the models into base to base contact then you can you can start to do it and It's a lot of wounds with a 4-up ethereal save as well. Um, It's not really a unit that needs the buffs of, say, plus one attack or plus one to hit from the other characters, so they're not as CP heavy um, as maybe some of the other builds you do because you you just don't get the return um, going from six attacks to seven attacks per model. Um, so it's probably not worth the CP, whereas with the unit of Hex Wraith, for example, you're getting an extra attack on the scythe, turning it from two to three, and the horses as well. Um, it's they're the kind of unit where you'd be looking to stack those extra command abilities on. So there's there's definitely playing a spirit host um, kind of Death Star. Um, and then if you were taking Olinda as the general, um, you don't have to take her as the general, as we said before. But unfortunately, to use her command ability, she does have have to be the general which for me i wouldn't take her if i wasn't going to be using everything on her scroll so i would only take her if i was making her the general Um, and her command ability is amazing it lets you return a model into every unit um summonable unit within 12 of her so that is one where you could go msu Uh, Spirit hosts, if you have five, six units of Spirit hosts all within 12, uh, you can put a model back into each one um, for every use of that command ability because it does stack. So if you spend two CP you can put two models back into every unit Um, so they they can work both in MSU and uh, as a bus, but I would say MSU does really only work well if you have a Linda as the general, whereas the, the Death Star kind of can work in most lists. You can slot it in and nine Spirit hosts is actually only 360 points so it's not much of an investment but it's definitely something your opponent's going to be of.
0: I mean, I've just actually had, had a count and I, I actually own 12, not, not 9 so uh, 2 units of 6 is, is something that I've considered. Uh I like the idea of four units of three and Alinda, but I just don't think Alinda's necessarily got the survive unless you're then taking you make might combo that with the uh is it Dolorous Guard the Dolorous Guard, yeah. The white Dwarf. every time. Yeah, Dolorous yeah. Guard with Alinda and then four units of three spirit hosts. I think that's that's yes. that but then that's I think that's a different style of list than the one I'm kind of looking to build. Uh that's more of a kind of yeah. maybe grindy kind of return list.
1: In that list as well, I would probably throw in Arcan because he can also bring a three wound model back to each of those four units as well, I believe. Yeah,
2: I was going to say Arcan with his rewrite, I uh, want to Ash, but you can't obviously take the Gash and Nighthawk, but Arcan with his rewrite for OBR, they changed it so that it's a flat three. And it still affects Summonable. So he just, yeah, he's perfect for bringing whole Spirit Host back. Um, and as Ash said, I think it's four units. You can bring a, th- a three wound model or three wounds worth of models back in. Um, so him and Alinda with some is pretty great. Just one CDP um, plus him for free. And you can add two models back into uh, four units of Spirit Host.
0: That's really quite tasty, I think. Uh, but as I say, yeah, slightly, slightly outside of the scope of my, my project. Uh, but then it's always nice to have flexibility, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. There's 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 loads of way that you can ways that you can sort of twist this arm here a little bit to to play better. And the other thing you probably want to put in alongside your spirit host is a spirit torment just so you can reroll your ones to hit. Because um, uh, you want to reroll um, as much as you can. Unfortunately, in Night Hunt, the most you can get is reroll ones. Um, but that just gives you um, more chances of rolling your sixes to do, do the mortal wounds from your spirit host's attacks. Yeah, definitely. You know, Maximising on those
0: mortal wounds is, is something you need to.
1: I think the fact that you can only get reroll ones is is
0: something that I think maybe is a reason why you haven't seen as many spirit hosts. If, you, if there was a flat reroll everything, I think you might see more larger units of them. Definitely. Just, just looking for the kind of the mortal wound output rather than their actual real output. <laughs> so, Ash, how would you describe? You know, I'm looking at building a, a kind of control style list. Uh, Chris, you know, you're, you're saying you're maybe using more of the kind of original stuff. But, Ash, how would you kind of describe your your play style with Nighthunt
1: overall? Um, this is so. This is something that I've I've been chatting with. Um, with Darren Watson about a little bit I haven't I haven't really gone into it in my head properly but um, I think definitely um, the play style that I like to play is more that control um, and maneuverability. Uh, definitely as a, as a scalpel rather than a like brute fist. Um, I think the the army plays really well into um, removing uh, a threat from your opponent's army or a support piece from your opponent's army. Um, and then mitigating their damage back in the in the return um so that's probably the way that i would build it is a as a a control damage mitigation um, and scalpel i guess is the, the three terms i'd probably use and then how how have you kind of manifested that in terms of your army list yeah so um kind of a lot of the things that we've been talking about so um i've i've Taking the thorns of the briar queen um, with the briar queen in there, um, that's that gives you two extra units um, just to add f- sort of flood out the board as well if you need to. Um, the briar queen spell is great for control. Uh, we've got the shackles in there for control as well. Um, uh, you've got um, things like Lady Linda in there as a, a threat for um, sort of. If someone comes and gets into your back lines, there's a massive amount of mortal wounds you can dish out Lifting lifting the veil
0: is is such a a brutal way of just shutting something down, isn't it? If you you roll well on it. Yeah.
1: If someone gets within six inches of her and it's a hero um, and you lift the veil and then shatter your time glass, um, that's 2d6 mortal wounds just without having to roll the dice, um, which is just fantastic. Um, the other ones that I've got in there as well is um, for the reliability on getting your um, endless spells off is or the Grimhaler because he can uh, sacrifice himself to take a mortal wound uh, to give himself plus three to cast. So that's fantastic for getting things like the Purple Sun onto the board. Um, and even for um, particularly, there's a, a really good spell in the spell law called um, Soul Cage, uh, which allows... Uh, it's, it's basically the, the way that Nighthorn plays into the activation wars outside of their um, in the uh, in the charge phase it, it basically makes the opponent unit uh, fight at the end of the combat phase um so you can cast that uh, very reliably with raikon um on a, a unit that's within 12 inches uh, and then just roll all of the charges you can possibly ever make with your army uh, my army has 14 units in it so that i on average will roll two two 10 plus charges every turn um which people don't think about the odds on that. Um, they'll think, "Oh, it's, it's only gonna happen every now and then, it's only on the 10 plus. But if you're rolling 14 charges, um, the average is, it's, it's basically, it's a, um, a one in six to get a, a 10 plus charge. So. Um, it's not actually that unlikely and, and there's been games where i've rolled more than that and it's been a pretty debilitating um, on Chris, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that sounds like a, a little bit of traumatic uh you know memory coming up there chris uh
2: yeah the tabletop simulator game like three weeks ago it was like four or five plus charges in a
0: turn
1: it was horrific it was beautiful
0: so I, I think I've got a fairly a fairly good idea of of what I might want to take but what about some sort of left field units that you don't necessarily see a lot of something you know the Borgol used to be really good is that something you think could make a uh, make a return
1: definitely in a control list that's playing more around the minuses to hit so if you took a mongol uh, if you took the geminids alongside that um, you could sort of play into that side of it um, the it, it's probably it's probably got the most reliable war scroll in that it will always do the same amount of damage um, unless you're rolling particularly uh hot or particularly poorly um but it's 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 probably the the more one of the more reliable war scrolls um and having two damage as well is something that not very much else in the army has and yeah i I guess it's it's not in my play style because i i i'm always looking for something that's interactive with my opponent and i find uh when my opponent has negs to hit on them it 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 sort of dampens their enjoyment of the game which is not what i want to do i want everyone to enjoy the game as much as possible so um, I generally avoid things that have next to it. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see where you could put that in. You're not you're not embracing the, the true nature of the control there, Ash. You're not kinda
0: of capitalizing. You want to be able to, you know, empower yourself off the tears of frustration of your enemy.
1: <laughs> I, I do still want to have enemies at the end of it though. <laughs> <It's> like, like, <laughs> true, Twenty true.
2: pages each, don't worry.
1: All oh, right. right. <laughs> there's a different, there's the other, the, the Jekyll and
0: Hyde side of Ash McEwen that comes out when he, when, <laughs> when he gets his zinge. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you wait till I bring up my friendly Zinch. That's the, that's the problem. <laughs>
0: so I think, I think I've got a good idea of, of where I'm going to go with, uh, with my army. I think given that i'd want to run raikonor um i would also want to run the shroud guards with uh with Bladegast, blade gas blade revenants a couple of units of of as well and uh you know black coach in there uh and then i think it's then it's like it's quickly start i'm just going to type it in now so blade Ghast revenants i think two units of tens rather than fives so here we go how's this Dreadblade harrow raikonor briar queen two tens of chain rasps two tens of blade Ghasts, a Black Coach, a Horror ghost, and Soul Snare Shackles, along with the Shroud Guard. That puts me at 1390.
1: Cool. You got a little bit of play there. I would definitely throw in a Spirit Torment and some Chain Ghasts because they work really well with your Blade Geist Revenants. So they'll, they'll both, both of those units, regardless of which one is um, wholly within 12 inches of your Blade Geist Revenants, they'll get all rerolls to hit. So that's, that is the only time you get all the rerolls. Um, but that's definitely worthwhile. Throwing in there. And then, uh,
0: so that takes me to 1580. Maybe then I could just add in a a chunky unit. So maybe something like three spirit hosts takes me to 1940
1: and then you've got your 50 points for for the command point do you think
0: that's do you think that that last that last 360 points is really where i'm kind of uncertain whether you know maybe one unit six to give me uh 1300 uh, 1300 points if only 130 points you know so what would you do with that last um 370 points chris in so we've got We've Got Dreadblade Harrow, Rykenor, Briar Queen, Spirit Torment, uh, two tens of Chain Rasps, two tens of uh, Blade Geists, uh, a, t- a two person unit of Chain Ghasts, um, and then a Black Coach and Shroud Guard, Horror Ghast, Shackles, and the CP. So you've got 370 points to, sp- to play with. What-, what are your thoughts? Uh, did
2: you say two units of Chain Rasps or Grim yeah. Gasts?
0: Uh, two units of 10 Chain Rasps and two units of
2: 10 blade geists okay so you need a third battle line um because at the moment i think you've only got two battle lines
0: of course you do uh, yeah blade, for some reason i thought Blake, blade geists. i think i'm thinking of grim who are battle line i'm getting confused between blade geists have swords grim glass have scythes there we go correct <laughs>
2: yeah um so yeah you need a third battle line so if you're taking uh that's, i mean
0: that's why i was thinking spirit host because they they achieve take spirit host in an army which which i quite like um but also they are the third battle line but would you you know would you look to use something else and, and exploit uh the the points elsewhere
2: um i think the guardian of souls is really good um plus one to wound is really strong um for quite a few units in the book um he can turn chain rasps into actually a pretty good unit um just uh, 10 and would you chain would rasps. you
0: take him with with the nightmare lantern or the uh the sand timepiece uh the nightmare lantern because i don't think wah, the sand wah, timepiece wah, works wah,
2: wah. i don't think it works anymore it's so sad isn't it yeah especially as i got that model but alas
0: oh, do you know what i'm most excited about i'm most excited about to use my 500th store anniversary um uh, unit champion for the blade geist revenants oh baby <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah one model in a hundred 18 points worth of,
1: of 500 store anniversary model oh yeah of which you've already got to have bought the the five Bladegeist uh, blade geist revenants yeah absolutely anyway, yeah yeah. yeah i would have yep. to i would
0: then have to yeah i mean i just never understood why that was a unit champion not a, a character yep. madness anyway, so there we go. So we're thinking maybe a, a Guardian of Souls with Nightmare Lantern in there to buff the uh, Chamber of um
2: horde. yeah, just to buff any of your units in general um, that can get into range, even your characters. He's um, quite good. His spell lets you return D6. And, yeah, the plus one to wound in a 12-inch bubble is really useful. But probably, I was going to say, um, you needed a second character to make use of the fact if you're going to take a battalion, then um, you say you're going to take the Shroud Guard. So um, yeah. you'd, you'd want to make sure you had two characters Characters, but you've got the spirit torment. So, um, if you want to fit the maybe nine unit and nine spirit hosts to have kind of a a big, boggy unit, um, one big threat, then you maybe just. You either take the Spirit Torment or you swap him out for the Guardian of Souls um, so that you can still have those points. Um, but yeah, I probably, probably wouldn't take both if you don't need to, if you don't have the extra artifact. Um, but they're so flexible. I think Hex Rays personally are really, really worth their points um, because they're one of the units that's fast on the table without you needing to spend CP to reposition them. Um, being able to move 12, likely 15, if you've got the Pendant of the fell Wind, which you probably will have. Um, I think they are really good and they do mortals with their attacks um and they can retre- like if they retreat and fly over stuff then they can do more wounds as well um they're not they're an option i think you basically take a hex race or spirit hosts though so if you want to take the spirit host then you take them and don't worry about the hex rates um but yeah i mean you could you could put Alinda in there she's she is really good she does a lot of things um for the army and if you if you roll a 10 inch charge with her she um She's surprisingly fighty because she's got Ren 2 and D3 damage. Um, and actually, so is the, um, the Spirit Torment. He always surprised me when Ash rolls 10s with him and you you find between your charge and your combat phase, you're rolling six attacks that what, like, threes and threes, Ren 2, D3, like, he does quite a lot.
1: Yeah, fours four re-roll ones by twos if you've got the Guardian
0: of Souls nearby. What about yourself, Ash? Do you think, um, if I'm looking at taking a Hex Race, do you think maybe Double Battalion is um, Shroud Guard and Death Riders, given that I've already got uh, the dreadblade. You've Barrow. already got the I've, other stuff. I've already it? got the most yeah. stuff. If you're adding, if you're going to add in hex wraiths, given that you know Spirit hosts are cool, they're cool models, uh, but given that I've already got two out of three of the other uh, component of the War Scab Battalion, do you think adding hex a couple of units of five hex wraiths and um, adding on that uh, Death Riders back, uh, War Squad Battalion, do you think that's worth it?
1: I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. In the in your indecision, is that there's so many things you can do with that last. 360 points in that um that army you could also throw in kurdos valencian to control your opponent's uh, command points even more um you could throw in the mermon banshees to control their spells and endless spells even more it kind of depends on how you want to play into it um definitely double battalion has potential you do then not have enough heroes to take all the artifacts you've mm-hmm. got um so there might be a, a point uh, against it for that um, the Knight of Shrouds on Ethereal Steed is great for your Units of bladegrasts because you can get them up to 4 attacks each. Um, the Knight of Shrouds uh, on foot is uh, not bad as well because you can uh, add one to your hit rolls. Um, I guess if you were taking Lady Olinda you probably wouldn't take him because you've got um, the add one to hit and your opponent is minus one to hit um kind of from her spell but um yeah there's a there's so many things you can do with that last little part of the army i think uh, it kind of does come back down to like what do you which models do you want to see in the army um and then play around with it and see what works maybe it's a matter of adding a second black coach. i mean yeah i mean
0: jp would definitely approve of that maybe maybe double black coach is is the new meta as he as he
1: suggested with his list bot. Yeah, exactly. What was it? It was a, some kind of crazy statistic where you're like seventy five percent more likely to win if you take a second black coach. <laughs> Skynet is beginning. Sure Skynet starts here. Yeah. With the, Skynet <laughs> starts with a second
0: black coach. Do you think? Do you think two black coaches works in that control deck style list? Uh, I, um, don't with think, I don't think control. In the control.
2: I think it's more going for the damage.
0: I think. Um, I think it's a, a different
1: style of, of army. Um, I, I like the I idea. Think it of can It can be a control though, because it's it's a single model that can pin in enemy units. Uh, mm. so it's twelve wounds on a four up unrendable save. Um, if you've got both of them standing within range of the pen of the fell when you movement seventeen or twenty three um, in your first turn, you can fly them both across the board, pin the majority of your opponent's army with your large base. Um, and make it really difficult for them to, to get to an objective. The other thing I've done with my Black Coaches before is screened my units of models. Um, so, for example, in the games that I um, played against Flesh Eater Courts when they were in their heyday, um, I would put the Black Coach on the front line and have my units of Grimgas Reapers and Blade Gas Remnants sitting behind the Black Coach so that if someone charges the front of the Black Coach, they kill it, and then I pile in with my units, which are scoring on the objective anyway, and they'll generally do enough damage back to start to chip away at the those, um, those flesh Eater quartz dragons. So there's certainly ways that you can use uh, a single or even two black coaches. And I think
0: you've um, you've you've touched on another unit that I somehow have lots of. I think I
1: have about twelve or sixteen mermorn banshees somehow. <laughs> they were they were all the rage when um when mm. the book came out because everyone looked at them and compared them to engine riggers. Um and the, and they're they are similar in that you're able to stack on extra attacks to them and they've got the REN2 D three damage. Um the the issue comes with their survivability because you have a unit of four um up to a maximum of twelve, it's just not quite enough to be able to survive a hit from a, a big killy enemy unit. Um, what you, you, You'll generally see the Mermon Banshees appear in uh, Legion of Grief Army because yep. they can then just take the hit, die, and then come back. Mm. Yep. And also their battalion is
0: interesting. It's the Shrieker Host, which comes with a Tomb Banshee and two units of Dreadsight of Haridans.
1: Yeah, Dreadsight of Haridans, not modeled I'm a fan of. So I've, I don't really look at that one. Um, Drissith Haridens are, are pretty good, though. Um, they're, they're relatively choppy. They're similar to, I guess you could compare them to a, um, what's the Sylvaneth, uh Spooky Ladies? Spite Revenants. Spite Revenants. Revenants, yeah. Like lots of attacks that are just sort of good at chipping away at uh, damage here and there um, and taking up board space. Um. Yeah, I I can see it working, but um, yeah, the model's not for me.
0: And I th- I think that that really plays into a nice because you can reroll battle shots of one for enemy units within six of units on the battalion, and not only that, you can't use inspiring presence. Mm. So I think you could build a whole army around that, but it's very you know you you play against OBR and your your whole mechanic of your army is pointless.
1: Yeah, the the issue was when the book came out that the people that were ignoring Battleshock weren't doing it with inspiring presence. It was your um, daughters of Cain using the witch brew. It was mm. um, yeah. Things like just they, uh, moon, uh, gets with the, with the shrine gets with the shrine, um, Skaven with their, um, Towers, yeah. the yeah. lords. Yeah. And the towers. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of the thing that was causing that, that, sort of play around the battleshock mechanic to fall on the wayside yeah there's just there's just enough enough out there and actually battleshock's one of the things
0: that i I, we've spoken about wanting to see more of you know because there's so many ways that you could ignore it it's almost it's not that it's pointless it's just there's lots of ways to ignore it so something like a shrieker host army just tends to not be taken because there are so many ways to to make your kind of your whole army's mechanic moot yeah Right there we go, chaps. Well, I think I think we'll probably uh, cease the ghost chat there. Uh, we've got lo- I've, that's really useful for me, certainly coming from a you know wanting to build a Night army uh, perspective. I've uh, I've definitely got the core of my army sorted, but it's that kind of last five, uh, three four hundred points or so that, that i'm gonna to have to toy with and this is one of the things where unfortunately at the moment i don't have any games to kind of test it so it, it might might be a case of of a tabletop simulator so maybe we need to arrange a a, a tabletop simulator Nighthorn game
1: that would be very fun
0: i'd be on board with that awesome yeah. i've actually said this is really weird actually because i've always said i'm not not i'm not fussed about tabletop simulator because one of the things about Warhammer that I love so much is the the social aspect and its its physical models and the kind of the, you know, the tangible Warhammering that I enjoy. Whereas actually now, when it comes to list design, I almost see it as a as a tool to to scope options so that you can get a list ready for the physical Warhammer in the future. Um, and it's it's sometimes maybe it's a case of playing turns one or two over and over again of different start you know with slightly tweaked lists. Yeah, it's, it's great for that. Yeah, exactly. And you don't, have to, you don't have to set it up. You don't have to buy that. You know, you don't have to worry about buying 12 more Banshees if you're not going to use it. Luckily, I'm not in that position. I'm lucky enough to, <laughs> strange, it's lucky, the right word, lucky enough to own 16 of them or something like that. I have no idea how. Um, this is the problem. I I've, I've bought a couple of collections of Nighthorn and I didn't sell all the Banshees from the previous collection and I bought another collection. So now I just have loads, which is why I have 12 Spirit Hosts as well. So who knows?
2: I can't judge because I bought six of the Stormstrike boxes because it comes with four Banshees in each one and they went out of stock in Australia and everyone wanted them. Um, and I, I think I sold some magic cards or something and, uh, got some store credit and, uh, with a, a good games or something. And they had, they had a load in stock. So I just went and bought six of the storm strike boxes just for all the, uh, all the banshees. And I still have all of the glaive wraith stalkers and everything else just that I'm never going to use. Yeah.
0: Glaive wraith stalkers. <laughs> I mean, what would you, what would you want to see to them, uh, to, to happen to glaive wraith stalkers, uh, for them to ha- kind of have a place on the tabletop?
1: If they made them battle line. If, uh, in night allegiance. I think that'll be enough to see if people throw in a unit of four just to, to take up a battle line slot. And what about big units? Do you think they, they'll have a place? Maybe in Legion of Grief, but um, again, because the maximum unit size for those guys is sixteen, it's not quite enough to sort of be a resilient uh, unit that can. Because one of their abilities is, if they get charged or make a charge, they get to reroll to hit. So, but if they get charged, there's not going to be any of them left to do those rerolls. So, <laughs> the ability sort of runs out uh, of steam there, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah,
0: fair enough, fair enough. Right, chats. What we'll do is we'll ask you uh, two questions each, uh, Chris. Do you want to go first and Ashley go second? But before we do, we should definitely do some social media shout-outs. So, Chris, what's the best way to maybe get in contact with you if people want to talk ghosts or see your army? Uh,
2: The best way to get in contact with me is probably through Twitter. um, And I am at Wounded Mortally um or the, our facebook page actually which is um mortally wounded uh, which is the name of my podcast that i do over here with my mate james
0: excellent yeah so tell me a little bit more about mortally wounded
2: uh yeah i mean it's a podcast that i do because i like talking about warhammer um with my mate james who i met um he's literally the first age of Sigmar event i did over here um when it first kicked off which was in the city store there was me james and one other guy turned up and me and James hit it off and, yeah, I kind of said, look, do you want to, you want to start a podcast after we've been talking for a bit? And, uh, yeah, we've been doing that for three and a bit years now, I
0: think. So Fantastic. What about yourself, Ash? Are you, uh, are you on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that?
1: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Ash underscore McEwan. Um, that's kind of the, the main thing that I use the the Twitter for is for hobby anyway. So, yeah, please feel free to get in touch if you've got any questions or got any ideas, thoughts from for the, the, the battalions and things for Hunt that you want to see more of um i'd, I'd love to get the, the Ghostly boys back out again awesome and of course as ever um,
0: both chris and ash will be tagged in our uh, episode post on twitter and uh, i'll also post when this goes live i'll also post the army list that we've just kind of created with those spare kind of 300 or 400 or so points and uh yeah we'd appreciate your feedback on on what you think we could spend and and why or maybe maybe slightly tweak the army you know looking for a control deck style of list uh, if you think we've we've approached it from from a, or you think you've got a different pr- approach that you you'd like to see put on the tabletop, and you think uh, that would tie into the themes that we've been talking about, then uh, then let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Right on to the two questions. Uh, we'll do uh, keep one thing uh, first. Chris, you want to go first, and Ash then next, and then we'll go on to change in the same order. So, Chris, if you could keep one thing about Age of Sigma, and you could only keep one thing, what would it be? And every, everything else is going to be changed, rewritten from the ground up. What's the one thing you'd protect?
2: The one thing I would protect would be the freedom of movement. Um, in The models don't have to be rank and flank. You can position them however you want, as long as you, you're keeping them coherent. Um, I, I really like that. You get the kind of, not necessarily skirmishy feel, um, but you get the real ability to kind of control um, control board movement funnel units into certain places. Um, I yeah, I, I really like that um, kind of part of Age of Sigmar. As much as you see tails and things like that sometimes, um, the holly within rule generally kind of sorts that out. But I um I, I really like the flexibility of movement versus the old rank and flank um,
0: blocks of troops. Excellent. And do you think the the change for the the coherency? Uh, you know, where you can delete half a unit if you if you tromp a model out of the middle to stop. not to stop daisy chaining, but um, to kind of add an element of risk to daisy chaining if you do want to do that. Uh, Do you think that's a positive move for the game?
2: Yeah. I really like it. Um, it's something you have to consider. Um, it, it, like you say, it, it it reduces how much daisy chaining you see. People won't just do it all the time because you can put things into lists. When you're designing a list, you can go, okay, well, I've got this thing where if someone just wants to daisy chain all the time to control as much board space as possible, then I can jump out the middle or yeah, do Star Trek like
0: bytes or something like that. And also, it it means that it's amazing
2: for oh, playing units now. Oh um, yeah. If we're talking if we're talking night one you do is war scroll spell pick pick a model to take the wounds then do anything else they have to continue wounding that model you split a unit in half you can just ignore it um and you kill half the unit from doing d 3 mortal wounds so
0: That's um, really cheeky. yeah I, I really like it what about yourself ash what would you protect about age of sigma uh,
1: so I've, I've got kind of two things that i've been tossing up with between well, you can um, only pick one, one the is... other one's gonna die I know, <laughs> I know it's gonna die right now um so the, the one, I guess, that I'd want to protect the most would be um, the, I guess, the kind of the trial by fire that the community went through in the creation of the game. I think it it, it resulted in a more cohesive global community uh, that everyone's on the same page about Age of Sigma. Everyone that's involved in it loves it um, sort of like wholeheartedly. And I think even though it was a difficult time for a lot of people, um, I think the game and the community is stronger for it so i i definitely would protect that that part of like it like shared trauma
0: yeah shared like, trauma like yeah, um we- like sandra bullock and keanu reeves at the end of speed sure
1: <laughs> somehow <laughs> somehow <laughs>
0: Oh, there we go. I never thought I'd compare, uh, you know, Age of Sigmar to, to those two. But there we go. That's 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 the thing. Um, what about, go on, I'm curious. What was the second thing? What didn't you pick as the thing to be?
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, it's already died that's now, that's, so that's does the thing. Not... I, no,
0: I've got the gun to its head now. <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, Yeah. So the, I mean, the other thing that I would probably protect is this is controversial, but I would, I would make sure that there is always a big bad. Um, I would make sure that there is always an army that is egregiously overpowered that everyone can get behind being against. Because I think that creates more interesting community development, it creates conversation for people, it creates a, a conversation about how can you beat that, and then also it creates the, the glory when you do end up beating that army in a tournament uh, in the, the final round. Um, I think without that, the excitement of Age of Sigma wouldn't quite hold as much sway for me.
0: Oh, Ash, that's really difficult because I'm going to have to pull the trigger now. <laughs> But because it because it, I told you, because it, it was that. such a good point, because it was such a good point, I'll let you have that one. I'll let you have that one. Because I, I agree. I, I like the ebb and flow of, oh, maybe I could take that as my point because no one's asked me. I've done none of mine. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, we could save we'll it. Do it. We'll do we, another point. We can loophole. We do, maybe <laughs> I, I can, I can uh, yeah, I can use that as my thing if anyone ever asks me. Um, right. So um, if you could if you have to change one thing um, and the rest of the game is going to stagnate, it stays as it is forever. Chris, what would you pick?
2: I would remove the amount of teleporting from the game. Um, well,
0: please don't, because I've literally just built a night haunt list all about <laughs> shenanigans <laughs> and movement. <laughs>
2: it's fine you can keep it for night on because it's like one of the main things they do in their allegiance abilities but it feels like at the start when they were doing the first few armies like a few armies suddenly got this ability to be able to like deploy off the Like that was stormcast strength right they could deploy in the heavens and strike down nine away and very few armies could do that so it made it gave it was stormcast usp right it was a unique selling point and then it It's kind of weird because I know why they've started to add it to basically every army, because once an army can teleport and set up nine away and an army can't, the one that can do it does get quite a big advantage. So it's like they've tried to go, well, every army needs to have the ability to do it to kind of make it fair. But if you go down that route, all of the armies, I think, start to be at risk of basically doing exactly the same thing. And essentially you turn the game into a game of chess where you just got, white pieces black pieces purple pieces blue pieces but everything can do the same thing and ultimately it's it's a bit boring um compared to if you don't give all of the armies all of the same abilities but the abilities that they do have they can do really well like that was one of the things that i think Flesh to quartz came out and did is they don't really shoot they don't do um quite a few things but they do combat incredibly well and they did quite well because of it you don't necessarily need the ability to do loads of things um so for me i i don't like the way the game's gone a little bit recently where every army has its kind of you you basically read the book and go okay there's the nine inch white teleport and then you combat with this and you go in because it it means that every single game you have to do you force people to bubble wrap constantly if they can do it every turn with a spell or something like that um so personally i would like to see that go away a little bit so less armies had access to it um yeah that's me
0: awesome okay is is there something you feel that kind of movement shenanigans let's call them movement shenanigans could be replaced with if if you wanted to represent the fact that another army is is as mobile as you know let's say you know from the underworlds they come Nighthaunt rule how do you replicate that in without copying a mechanic that exists in stormcast do you do you think there needs to be maybe a role like a like an old reserve role or or does it need to be centered around a certain model or certain scenery piece is there something you'd like to replace it with or do you think just different mechanics entirely yeah i think doing yeah you could do it around a scenery
2: piece which at least would mean you could only do it in one place because the there's play around that like this game in Norholes, they they can teleport nine away but they can only do it from Norholes. so i'm i'm okay with that it's more the board-wide teleports like slated darkness just shroud in darkness or whatever it is um the iron jaws um spell they can all just pick a unit and just dump it down anywhere on the board um and there's kind of not really that many restrictions that's the stuff i i don't like um like slanesh don't actually really have a teleport which is good but they don't need it because they get across the board using movement. They just run really, really, really fast. Like Seekers, you can run 2D6 and stuff like that. Um, I'm I'm okay with that. You can create screens for stuff that doesn't fly, so you can play around that. Um, so you don't necessarily have to guard your backboard entirely if you know something can move 30 inches but you have put a wall up 12 inches away from it it can only move 12 so you you can you can play around with that um so yeah I, i think you can give armies movement in different ways and don't just give everything a nine inch away teleport
0: gotcha and what about yourself ash
1: yeah i think the one thing that i would change if everything else had to stay the same I would probably uh, I think I would get rid of modifiers I, I think anything that's uh, adding or subtracting uh, from the the any of the stats of a unit if, if that's a, an, a allowed to be so uh, sort of broad on that topic, but um, yeah, I think so. The, the, the feel bads come uh, when something that should be reliable, because you've put all of your pluses to hit on it, doesn't hit. Um, and likewise, if something uh, shouldn't be reliable, but then gets pluses to hit, becomes reliable. I feel like the the points don't uh, aren't allocated uh, reflective of the modifiers that can be applied to each unit, um, and that's where you get things like your osteonic bone reapers on a three plus save. Um, Like if that was a four plus save re-rolling, it's still reliable, but you might just not roll a four plus. Um, But if you're rolling threes, it becomes so much more reliable. Um, I I think, yeah, that'd be the one thing for me that um, it creates the most feel-bads in my games is when modifiers take away some of the chance from the game. That's really interesting because actually
0: someone else has previously said that they would take away the re-rolls because it adds time to the game and they would much prefer to see more modifiers instead of re-rolls. So re rolls was the other the one that I was tossing up,
1: between, but I <laughs> so, so it was one or on the episode, other. <laughs> so I didn't. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, you've already you <laughs> already taken liberties with my rules, Ash. So <laughs> you decided not to for the second time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I see what you mean. Um, I think that uh, modifiers, positive modifiers, are a way to to allow your heroes to effectively buff uh, units uh, in a kind of meaningful way. Uh, let's say you know we talked about re rolls, re roll ones. For uh, spirit hosts, actually, if if there was a way to add one to hit, um, then then that's good. Um, I like that said. I do like the way they've added unmodified to their to their rules. I think that if you are going to have the mechanic of uh, plusing one, then definitely, or even two or three, then definitely having unmodified sixes doing the exploding or doing the mortal wounds. I think that's definitely a positive move for the game uh and the fact that in this was very early on uh, probably in the days of, of double mongol type thing um having sixes always hit i think that's really positive for the game so if if these modifiers are going to exist uh, then having kind of flat uh, flat kind of left and right of arc is, is really important yeah definitely right Gentlemen, thank you for your time once again. Uh, What time is it over there now? Uh, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Okay, so not quite bedtime. Well, anyway, uh, it's nearly lunchtime for me, so I'm going to go and get some food. Thank you for uh, joining me today. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time on your weekend to chat about Nighthorn, and hopefully we can can get a tabletop simulator game in at some point in the near future. Yeah,
2: thanks very much for having us. Yeah, no worries. Thanks,
0: Dan. Cheers, guys. Take it easy thanks for listening to priority Roll. if you want to get in touch with us we're at priority Roll on both twitter and instagram you can send us an email priority Roll podcast at gmail.com or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority role and leave us a voice message if you want to leave us some feedback we're always looking to improve or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows then feel free to get in contact with us we'd love to hear from you until next time thanks for listening to priority Roll.